This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. How many times have you heard a person say, if you had one wish that would really come true, what would it be? Today, I want to modify that somewhat and ask you this question. If you were able to choose the period in history in which you could live, which period would you choose? Now that opens up all kinds of possibilities for us. If we think about it for just a moment, think for example, how wonderful it might've been to have lived during the days of Columbus when there were vast areas of exploration still untouched. Or what if you could have lived during the days of George Washington when our country was just beginning to take its place in the world? I have known some people who would have been very happy to have lived when knighthood was in flower. When a young man on a white horse came riding up to save his fair lady in distress. And we must say that obviously many of our youngsters would have been very happy in those days when the West was still wild, that is, if it's not still that way today, and when people like Marshall Dillon maintained law and order. Now, suppose you were to reverse things and put that question to me. When would I choose to live if I were free to choose any period in history into which I would be born? Well, in spite of all the allurement of these wonderfully exciting days of the past, I believe I would choose to live in our present day. Now, admitted that you might counter with another question, how can you say that, preacher, when you look around at the world in which we're living today? And I would admit, yes, we all have to acknowledge that our world is far from an ideal situation not just our world in general, but especially for those of us who live in the United States of America. According to the United States Department of Transportation, every day there are 37 people killed in drunk driving crashes. That's one person killed every 39 minutes. And these crashes are due to a drug called alcohol. Of course, alcohol is the number one drug problem in our nation, but we often hear the term alcohol and drugs as if alcohol were not a drug. It's the number one drug. It's pushed, it's advertised, and it's popular. When we look at the total horrifying picture, though, we know that there are other drugs responsible for many broken homes, broken people, ruined lives. Just in our own state of South Carolina, overdose deaths have increased 8% each year over the last three years. You know, that's 10% higher in South Carolina than the national average. What a sobering thought that is. You know the well-worn statement that in our nation, half of the marriages end in divorce. According to Forbes Advisor, a statistical reporting firm, that figure is still true. One uh, half of marriage ends in divorce, but this regards only first marriages. Statistics are even worse 
for those who are marrying for the second or the third time. For second marriages, 67% of those end in divorce. And third marriages, almost three-fourths end in divorce. The current trend today, as we all know, is for couples to try living together before marriage. Some say this ensures a, a better marriage relationship when they get married. Again, those who think this way, that that's going to help, they're all wrong. Statistically, couples who live together before marriage are more likely divorce, to divorce than those who do not, over 50%. Now, I could spend a lot more time if I were to talk about the alarming rate annually of increase in crime, reports of mass shootings we hear about so often, but many of these shootings are not reported in the news. The fewer people who are actually killed, wars that continue to be fought every day around the world. It seems like almost every day new wars crop up. Our own nation's disregard of biblical moral standards, outright attacks on those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, on and on and on it goes. And yet you say, preacher, that you mean you would choose this present day? Are you out of your mind? Well, some think people think I am anyhow. <laughs> but in spite of all this, we have made some great advances in many fields. Sociology medicine, science, space exploration, agriculture, and yes, even theology. You say, well, how do we increase in theology? Well, we know more about the Bible and its understanding than our grandparents did. We don't follow it as well as some of our grandparents did, of course. But you see, we have some great advances in our own present day. We're wise but we are not good. We should be living on mountaintops, but we are the most fearful and frustrated generation in history. Truly, our age has been correctly called the age of paradox. Should be one way, but it's the other way. Why is this? I want to give you several reasons. First, we have knowledge, but not wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Wisdom is the proper application of this information. The difference between knowledge and wisdom can be seen in many areas of our lives. Uh, think about a small puppy. He may be intrigued at the sight of a strange looking animal in its path. And so he goes up to sniff and greet the porcupine. The little puppy may know this is not a dog as he is, but when he comes away with a snout full of needles from that other animal, he doesn't have knowledge only, he has wisdom. I remember a time when I was just a young child, probably a preschooler. My family and I went for an outing to a lake out in the country. Well, I could not swim at that time, but I was enthralled with the water and watching others having a great time out there in the water. So I took a running jump and went in as far as I could. After thrashing around, almost drowning, I came away from that experience with a bit more wisdom. There needs to be no question but that we know more than any other people in history. I did some research recently and I found that the total volume of mankind's knowledge doubles. I remember several years ago they said it doubled every 10 years. 
Then they changed it. Our total body of knowledge in the world doubles now, they said, 13 months? No. The most recent figure is every 12 hours. The total knowledge volume doubles. That blows my mind. <clears throat> the paradox of our day is that even though we do stand on the shoulders of the past, yet all too often we're not able to see a greater distance. We have wisdom, but not knowledge. Or we have knowledge, rather say, but not wisdom. We have houses, but not homes. That's another reason. Our modern house is a very far cry from that of our great-grandparents, or even for some of us, for our grandparents. I remember watching my grandmother cook on a wood-burning stove, seeing her churn butter on the back porch. When I was young, we bought blocks of ice that were delivered to our house by the ice man, as were quarts of milk left on the front porch. They had cardboard stopper sealers in the top. But today, quite a different scene. Our houses are prefabricated, gadgeted, insulated, lighted, heated in ways those before us never dreamed of. We no longer have a shivering husband who has to get up early, tug at the clinkers, split the kindling, fuss and fret about starting a fire. Today, all he has to do is touch a knob on the wall, and he has the desired temperature throughout the house. That is, he has to do this unless his computer is preset, and he doesn't even have to do that now. No longer does the lady of the house rub-a-dub-dub -dub her laundry over a corrugated washboard at the cost of skin knuckles and an aching back. She simply drops the soiled clothes into a gleaming white box, sets the dial, and laundry is automatically washed, rinsed a half dozen times, and practically hung out to dry. And there is a machine for that, too, of course. Unquestionably, we have better houses these days. But do we have better homes? If we do have better homes, then why do we spend so little time in these, not just in the houses, but also in the homes? Just as a wheel must have a hub, so even so a family needs God as the center about which it congregates. Grace before meals, for many, is a thing of the past. People don't bother to do that. Today, children are often raised by the book, that is, the most recent book on child psychology. Now, yes, we ought to be thankful for advances which have been made in the study of human behavior. I'll agree with that. But as they say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And our generation of permissiveness has reaped some frightening results. The great factor, which has too often been left out of teaching, is the fact that God can bless homes only when he's put at the center. Charles Templeton said, there were two rules in our house when I was growing up. One was the golden rule, and the other was a rule about so long he <laughs> held his hands apart. He said, both of these rules were used very regularly in our house. Discipline is an essential for any happy home. But when that's lacking, then we see a vast breakdown in the sol solidarity of homes. As strange as it may seem, I have heard of one couple who split up because the husband told his wife 
that she could not thaw out dinner as well as his mother could. Oh, what have we come to? Well, let me mention just one other indication that we're living in the age of paradox. We have speed, but not direction. A generation ago, a man could travel only about as fast as his horse could carry him. And then came the automobile, and the speed of travel increased greatly. Then the airplane came along and accelerated transportation even more. And now we can fly far above the clouds in speeds that dazzle our minds with aircraft that now can fly faster than the speed of sound. I read somewhere that it's possible, at least theoretically, to go somewhere and sit down and hear yourself arriving. Did you, did you hear about the pilot on a commercial flight who came over the loudspeaker and said, this is your captain speaking. I have some bad news and some good news for our passengers today. The bad news is that we're lost and we have no idea where this plane is heading. But the good news, we are making excellent time. How true are the words of a preacher of many years ago. We're saving more time than ever before but we aren't putting the time we're saving to any better use. During the ministry of Billy Graham, he was often called to meet with very important political figures in Washington. On the eve of one of his missions abroad, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger talked with the evangelist about some of the staggering problems that were facing our world back then. Here's what Billy Graham said in reply. I told Kissinger that I believed the world was experiencing an unseen spiritual war in which the powers of darkness were attacking the forces of God. As we have moved through turbulent events of the past decade, Billy Graham said, I have become more convinced than ever that the activities of unseen demonic forces are increasing. A well-known TV caster said to me in his office, Billy, the world is out of control. And Billy Graham concluded what he was saying with these words. It seems incredible that such a warfare is taking place today, but the Bible says it is. Oh, how true. And that was several years ago, of course, before the death of Billy Graham. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 40, Peter says, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's a rather strange word, untoward. This is talking about a generation that's always in a frenzy, a whirlpool, untoward, having no direction, aiming toward. And as a result of Peter's preaching that day, the Bible says that because of the working of the Holy Spirit, this is in verse 42 of Acts 2, they continued steadfastly. And in verse 43, Fear or godly reverence came upon them, and many, many souls came to know Jesus. Now, much of what I've been saying this morning sounds very pessimistic, doesn't it? Knowledge without wisdom, houses but not homes, speed but not direction. And on the basis of all these observations, all the doomsday prophets would cry out, Yes, look what the world has come to. Yes, but we who are Christians would reply with equal force as we would say, but look what has come to the world. 
and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. A man was lost in the Burmese jungle. He hailed a passing native and asked that native if he would lead him out of the jungle. The native said, yes, follow me. And he started through the jungle. Soon there was no trail. So the native, swinging his machete, was hacking a path through the tangled undergrowth. Fearful, the lost traveler called ahead to the native, Are you sure this is the way? The native paused for a moment and then he answered, There is no way. I am the way. Follow me. Jesus comes to you and to me to say, I am the way. Follow me. That's right. Christianity is not just ten rules for living, nor is it one of many good religions. Christianity is Christ. He is our example, our teacher, our companion, and our Savior. He is the way. Lord, thank you so much that you have not left us in the darkness. You've not left us without a guide, somebody to show us how to save ourselves from this untoward generation. That's Jesus who only can save us. Thank you, God, for that blessing that you give to those who receive him as personal Savior. We pray this prayer in his wonderful name. Amen.